and welcome to the Old Time Radio Hour. I'm your host, Justine Ward, and each week we bring you a classic show from Radio's Golden Age. As Halloween approaches, we have two episodes of Occult Mystery from The Weird Circle. They were produced in New York in 1943 and 44 for syndication through Mutual and NBC. A lot of the stories are adaptations of classic literature. First, we have a story written in 1824 by Walter Scott. It's a story of the supernatural set in the Scottish Highlands. You'll get used to the accents as you let your imagination run wild with the Weird Circle, the Feast of Red Gauntlet. First broadcast February 27, 1944 on RCA NBC syndication. We are met to call from out of the past stories, strange and weird. Bellkeeper, toll the bell so that all may know we are gathered again in the Weird Circle. picture that the swinging branches recall tonight, but I never hear their mournful movement without my thoughts gone backwards, backwards to the doer years, the terrible times of Sir Robert Red Gauntlet. This countryside will long remember him, for our fathers used to draw breath thick when they heard him named. I, Steeny Steenson, was his tenant, and I and every tenant man in Sir Robert Red Gauntlet's ground had to join the master in his killing raids on the liberal Whigs. That night, Red Gauntlet hung three neighbor men on you. My heart was like a stone, but I held no ill will against the men myself. And worse luck would have it, I was the last man to leave the frightful scene, for Davy, my old horse, went lame on me. The three dead men hung high over my head, the gibbet creaking and swaying as I looked over Davy, when all of a sudden, a stranger rode up through the woods. A lean, gaunt creature he was, in loose, ill-fitting clothes, and his white mare made no sound as she stepped on dry branches. I stood frozen a minute, and then somehow, 
I plucked courage to say. What are ye, man or spirit? I'm a stranger to you, though I'm not a stranger in these woods. Do you know where you are, Steenie Steenson? Not rightly, sir. We rode and rode, and I drank a, a deal of brandy for a... I, I didn't like the business we're about, and I paid little attention to our direction. This is the wood of the dead, Steenie. Uh-huh. If you kill in these woods, and you linger long enough for me to find you... Then you must give an accounting. I'll have you know, sir. I, I had no part in the hanging of those three men there. Rust or salt. But your very presence gave consent. Did you protest? I'm a tenant of Red Gauntlet. My fathers and forefathers lived on his land. And it's the unwritten law, sir. We think and do as a Red Gauntlets. But I've no stomach for killing men on account of their opinions. Sir. Men like you, of weak wills, Steenie Steenson... Let the red gauntlets of the world rule with bloody hands. But you're in the wood of the dead tonight. And to these three men who hang on the gibbet, you must make some restitution. Well, sir, and how can I do anything now for dead men? They leave families, Steenie. Young ones and wives. You have a bag of silver hidden in your chimney at home. You must divide it among the three widows. But how can I do that, man? The money's for my rent. I've little gift for saving, and I'm two terms back now for the rent due to Red Gauntlet. There's just the right amount of the bag, and it's all the money I have, sir. How you will pay your rent must be your own worry. But you shall not leave these woods tonight alive, unless I know that you mean in your heart to divide that bag of silver among the three widows. Well, I'm no man to be blind to the corner the wind blows in. I don't know who you are or what you are, stranger. Maybe I'd soon not know. But I can feel you mean every word you say. I'll divide the money among the three families. Good. We'll meet again, Steenie Steenson. Someday. A very good night to you. And a good night, stranger, to... I started to say it, but the horseman and horse had vanished. Fairly melted into the woods before I could finish my words. Not a sound I made as the white mare stepped with a fine gait on the dead night twigs. But keep my word I did to the ghostly stranger. The very next morning, I went to the three widows and gave them the money. Now came the problem for the rent. For Sir Robert Red Gauntlet was no man to be put off for more than two terms, and I was due to pay him that very day. Now, I'd, I'd done many a man a favor in the countryside by playing the bagpipes at weddings and all that sort of merriment. And I was what you might call in demand. So I went to the friends my bagpipes had made for me and asked them for the loan of some silver. From about 20 sources, I picked up the money to make the full amount. And away I trudged to Red Gauntlet's castle with a heavy purse. The old serving man, Dougal McCallum, met me in the great hall. He seemed beside himself with worry, as he said. Steamy, the master is in an evil mood, for he's suffering hard with the gout. Well, pay the rent of must, gout or no gout. Uh, by the way, Dougal, is Sir Robert's pet monkey, what's his name, there with him today? Aye, aye, the monkey made you weird, sitting like an evil spirit in his little red lace jacket, perched on the master's shoulder. Ah, uh, it's afraid he'd be. Ah, I hate that little jackanapes. Well, come, man. I'd like to get this business over. Uh, this way, Steenie. I've never seen the master look so bad. But don't you tell him so. Come in! Come in! Don't be so slow about it. What are you, snails crawling in? Just you, jackanapes. I'll give you the back of my hand. 
McDougal, take the monk off my shoulder. Aye, sire. The major's full of chatter today. Come, monk. Uh, honey, sit down like a good little beast on your pillow. Uh, Sir Robert, Steenie Steenson's come to pay his rent. Yes, Sir Robert, here, here I am, man. I see you, man, I see you. Are you come right-handed, you son of a thistle? Uh, no, Sir Robert. The rent for two terms is right here in the bag. Well, I'm surprised to get it all at once. I... Oh! Oh, this blasted gout is enough to drive a man to make a pact with the devil himself. Oh, don't say things like that, Sir Robert. The evil one might hold you to it. <laughs> you hypocrite, Steenie. You know as well as I do... That everyone believes I've already made a pact with the devil. And everyone's sure of where I'm going when I die. I never listen to gossip, Sir Robert. Uh, now, if you'll count the silver and give me the receipt, I- I'd best be going. All right, Steenie. Dougal, take Steenie to the hall and give him a cup of brandy. While I count the silver and make out the receipt. Come along, Steenie, with some right fine brandy just down from Edinburgh. I'm never a man, Dougal, to refuse a sample. Oh, I see. This old blasted ghost. Dougal! Hey? Bring me a bowl of cold water. Oh, the master is having an attack again. Are you idiot? Oh, my heart. My heart. Oh, what's the matter? What can I do, Dougal? Is the master worse? Steenie, Steenie, run, man. Get on your horse and fly for the doctor. I'll do that. Sir Robert looks bad to me. Out of Red Gauntlet's castle, I rode as fast as I could, and rode hard to bring Dr. McKenney. I felt in my bones this was no light illness of Red Gauntlet's. The doctor and I were soon back in the castle, and as we opened the door, I thought how uncommonly quiet it was. Then old Hutchin, the butler, come toward us. You're too late, Steenie, with the doctor. Steenie and I rode as fast as we could. What happened, man? The worst. Sir Robert Red Gauntlet is dead. Heaven keep us so. Well, well. That's sad news, Hutchin. Of course, I'll have to confirm the death and make out the proper papers. Yes, sir, I know. This way, please, sir. I tiptoed out and left that place of death, for I knew it only be in the way. And so deep was I in the thoughts of Red Gauntlet's end that I was a fair way home when of a sudden I remembered. Hadn't I left the silver for the rent there and never got a receipt? But then I considered old Dougal was a witness to the fact that I brought the money. And in due time, it would all be put to rights. And so the matter would have been, had not the uncanniest bad luck happened the night before Red Gauntlet's funeral. That night, old Dougal invited Hutchins to his room for a round of drinks before they went to bed. Hutchins told me more than once about that strange night. Hardly was he seated in the room when Dougal said, Hutchins, we've both served the dead master a long, long time. Aye. And though Red Gauntlet may have used an iron hand to others, he was good to us. Well, here's long life to you, Dougal. Thank you, Hutchin. But I know I'm not long for this world. Oh, come now. Don't let the master of death make you morbid. It's not that I'm morbid. But you know the master and I were more like two brothers. I've followed Sir Robert through good and ill, through pool and stream. I've followed with a blind devotion. And though the master goes to the evil place, I too would have to follow. And I think it won't be long. Man, man, get hold of yourself. I'll begin to think Sir Robert's death has turned your reason. You're sure to think that when you hear what I have to tell you. As you know, Red Gauntlet lies in state in his own room. And I've been sleeping as usual in the room which adjoins his. 
If you remember, Sir Robert used to blow on his small silver whistle for me to come and turn him over in his bed. Well, Hutchin, as true as I'm alive this minute, every night since Red Gauntlet's death, I've heard that whistle. I've heard that silver whistle blow in the night. Dougal, you make my hair stand on end. Man, you must have dreamed such a thing. I did not dream it. I heard the silver whistle. And so frozen was I with terror that I did not stir. But in the daytime, my conscience hurt me. For I can't let even death break my service to Sir Robert. Listen, there, there it is. Red Gauntlet Silver Whistle. The Lord keep our souls. It's an awful song. I've got to go, Hutchin. I've got to answer Red Gauntlet's call, just as I used to. But, man, you cannot be turning the corpse over in its bed. I've got to go. Stand by me, Hutchin. At least go with me to Red Gauntlet's door. I have no will for such doings, but I can't fail you in a pinch like this. Come, then. The master is impatient. Never did this hall seem so long, Dougal. Aren't we two addle-headed old men to be answering a silver whistle blown by a dead man? And on second thoughts, Dougal, maybe we only imagined we heard the whistle. We did not dream it, Hutchin. Oh, well. We're near to the master's bedroom now. A dread opening the door. Aye. The light of the candles might reveal to us more than we want to see. But open the door we must. Dougal, look. The dead master lies just as we left him. Dead and quiet. But Hutchin, look. Look on the foot of the bed. It's the foul fiend himself. The evil one. shocked were Dougal and Hutchin by the sight of the evil one sitting there at the foot of Red Gauntlet's bed that they fainted dead away. Finally, when Hutchin came out of the faint and gathered his wits about him, he found old Dougal lying in a heap dead. Dougal had joined Red Gauntlet in the last long journey. Now, when I heard about Dougal's death, I felt sad indeed. But I'm afraid I felt more pity for myself than anyone. For Dougal was the only witness to the silver I'd left for the two terms of rent. Now, Sir Robert Red Gauntlet's son, Sir John, had come up from London for the funeral and to put things to right. In due time, he called me to come to see him, for I knew for certain he would. I stood before him in the great hall, and Sir John said, Steely Steenson, uh, you're down here for two terms' rent. That's a whole year. Uh, please, Your Honor, Sir John, I paid it to your father. Oh, you got a receipt then, Dr. Steeny, and can produce it. Indeed, I hadn't time, sir. For no sooner had I set down the silver and Sir Robert was drawing the bag to him when he was taken with the pains that took him out of this wall. Oh, that's very unlucky. But perhaps you paid it in the presence of somebody. Aye, Sir John. There was nobody in, in the room but Dougal McCallan. And as your honor knows, he soon followed the dead master. Very unlucky again, Steeny. It's very strange to me that no one has told me that a bag of silver was found on the table after my father died. Uh, perhaps the butler Hutchins knows something about it, sir. All right, I'll see what he has to say. Hutchin! Hutchin! Yes, Sir John? Hutchin, 
I wonder that I was never told about a bag of silver left by Steenie Steenson the day my father died. It should have been found on this very table by which my father had been sitting. But we found no bag of silver, sir. I came running at once when the master cried out. And it was I who put the room to rights after we'd carried out the body. But I did leave the money right there on the table. Well, Hatchin, there's only one thing to do. Call all the servants together and question them. Hmm. And if I can find no proof that the bag of silver was stolen, what story then are you going to tell me, Steenie? Where will you suggest we look for the money? In the able place, if you want my opinion, sir. In the able place with your father and his silver whistle. I paid the money for the whole year's rent, and there's an end of it. Oh, no, it's not. You will produce the rent or the receipt for the rent by this time tomorrow, or I shall have you put in chains. Now get out! I rode away from the castle fairly seen red. Here I was, the same Steeny Steenson who only a few weeks before had been the most popular piper in the countryside, the toast of every feast and frolic. And now, of a sudden, men would be calling me names, a thief, a cheat, and worse. I rode on and on, little care in where my horse Davy led me. Finally, I realized I was in a thick patch of wood. And I noticed of a sudden that beside me was riding a stranger, the lean gaunt man in ill-fitting clothes, on a white mare. A white mare that made no sound as she stepped on dry branches. Just as the night of the hanging, I said, What are ye, man of spirit? I'm your friend, Steenie. I've come to help you. Unless you can lend me money. There's no other help you can give me in this world. But there may be some help in another world. Now, I can tell you this. Sir Robert Redgauntlet is disturbed in his grave by your curses and black thoughts of him. And if you will venture to see him, he will give you the receipt. Stranger, I have the courage to go to the very gates of the evil place and a step further for that matter, for that receipt. All right, then, Steenie. Turn sharply to the left. <laughs> Make your horse wind in and out of that thick settlement of black fur. Here we are. But I, but I can't believe no one eyes, sir. We're in the courtyard of Red Gauntlet's castle. Why, the estate is miles away from this place. Yours is not the question, Steenie. Go to the castle door. Dougal will let you in. Dougal? Why, the man's as dead as a mackerel. What what place am I in, sir? Courage, courage, Steenie. Remember, you must get that receipt. Go to the door. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Go away. Well. Pretty soon be dead myself as the bay in the fix I'm in. Well, Davy, me good horse. <laughs> Goodbye. If I don't come back, you'll know I've gone to... Heavenly days. There's Dougal standing there waiting at the door for me. Dougal. Dougal, man. I never thought to see you alive again. I'm not alive, Steenie. I Now listen carefully. When you're inside Red Gauntlet's castle, take nothing from anybody there, neither meat or drink or silver, for they will bind you to that unholy party. Take nothing except that receipt which is your own. Come. <laughs> Ghastly Tina Revelers. There's the fierce Middleton, and the dissolute Rocks, and the crafty Lauder there, and the wild Bunshaw, and all the other wicked ones I've known and played the bagpipes for at feast. And every one of them dead now. 
and yet I see them laughing and raveling there. But take note, Steenie, in death as in life, it's my master, Sir Robert Redgauntlet, who has the place of honor at the feast. Hello, friends. It's Steenie Steenson. Look who's come to visit us. Come close, And come close. Yes, sir. How's your health, sir? <laughs> Did you hear that, man? How's my health? My Steenie... It's as bad as could be expected. Uh, well, I, I, I'm sorry, sir. But where's Major, your monkey? It seems strange to see you without your pets. Here is a little cushion ready for the monk. Before nightfall tomorrow, the little lake will be with me. Well, no, let's get to business. You've come here for that receipt for your year's rent, haven't you, Steenie? Uh, yes, sir, and if you'll kindly give it to me, I'll go. Oh, but first you must play me a tune of the bagpipes. Dougal! Dougal, you limo Beelzebub! Bring Steenie the pipes I've been keeping for him. Robert, Sir Robert, this scene in your awesome presence have fairly taken my breath away. I fear I have none left to play the pipes. Then you must eat and drink, Steenie, for we do little else here. And it's likely to be ill-speaking between a full man and a fasting one. I've not come to eat or drink, sir, but simply for what's known. Give me that receipt. All right, you pitiful cur. All right, here and now. Dougal, bring me the quail. I have everything ready, sir. Good. Here, here. This 25th of November, from my appointed place, I, Sir Robert Redgauntlet, do assert that Steenie Steenson paid me in silver one year's rent. Sir, Steenie's your receipt. Ah, thank you. And tell my rogue of a son to go look for the bag of silver in the cat's cradle. In the cat's cradle, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. No, 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 not so fast, my man. I am not done with you. Here we do nothing for nothing. On a year this very day, you must return and play the pipe for me. That will be your payment and my pleasure. I didn't care a rap for your pleasure, sir. I'd affirm myself only to the good Lord. At the mention of the holy name, it seemed to me that the whole earth shook, and I lost both breath and scent. When I came to it, it was early morning. I was in the woods, a full five miles from home, and Davy, my horse, was feeding nearby. And then I laughed, and I thought what a nightmare of a dream I had. But then I realized I was holding something tight in my hands. And I looked, and I found I held the receipt for the rent. Signed by Sir Robert Redgauntlet. With my mind fairly in a daze, I rode at once to the castle and demanded to see Sir John. Looking like a fresh thunderstorm, Sir John greeted me with sour words. If you have come with the excuse of save your breath, Tine. Have you brought me the rent? No, sir, I have not. But I brought Sir Robert's receipt for it. But you told me only yesterday that he had not given you one. Will your honor please look at this bit of writing? Hmm, all right. Hmm. Looks like my father's hand, I must say. This 25th of November, from my appointed place. But the 25th of November was yesterday. If you got this receipt, Steenie, you must have gone to Hades for it. I got it from your honor's father, sir. Whether he be in heaven or someplace else, I don't know. And besides, uh, Sir Robert sent a message to you. He said you were to look for the bag of silver at a cat's cradle. I'm beginning to think you're either mad or a sorcerer. 
And I hope you recall it was only a month ago in the village when a sorcerer was burned at the stake. I admit I have a long, strange tale to tell, sir, but you'll only believe it if we do find that bag of silver in the cat's cradle. Oh, I never heard such childish nonsense. I don't know any place around here by that name. Please, sir, ask old Hutchin. He knows things about the castle that everybody else has forgot. All right, all right. You rang, sir? Hutchin... Do you know a place about the castle called the Cat's Cradle? Oh, yes, sir. It's a ruinous turret long out of use, next to the clock house. One can only get to it by a ladder, for the opening's on the outside. Hmm. It's many long years since I've heard anyone inquire about the Cat's Cradle. Thank you, Hutchin. Come along, Steenie. We'll go to the Cat's Cradle and see what we find. Just in case I need it, I think I'll take this pistol that was my father's. For what purpose, sir? It has silver bullets. And they say that silver bullets are the only kind effective against mad men and sorcerers. Come, Steenie. I hope for your sake I find something up here, Steenie. What? What could that be? Oh, sir, John, that's your father's silver whistle. Come down, sir. Come down. I'm afraid you, well, you'll see that, sir. Nonsense. I'll find out for myself. Has uh, Red Gauntlet's pet monkey measured wheel? Look, look, Steenie. It's the monkey that's blowing the whistle. Be careful, Sir John. That monk can be mean, awful mean, sir. Oh, I can take care of myself. Give me that whistle, you little ape. Watch out, the monk will stretch your eyes out. Get away from me! You scared! Get away! Get away! Can you see inside the turret now? Too bad I had to shoot him. Yes. Yes, now find the bag of silver, Steenie. Here, here, catch it! A little thief of an ape. He stole the bag and hid it there. Now, watch out. I'm coming down. Uh, oh. That turret's full of the junk the monkey stole. I'll have Hutchin clean it out. Well, Sir John, I guess you'll have to believe I'm not a liar now. Yes, we've solved the mystery of the missing bag of silver. Perhaps another mystery. I believe it's the monkey that blew the silver whistle those nights. Dougal thought it was my dead father. But we haven't solved the mystery of the receipt, Steenie. But I did talk to your father last night, and he gave me that receipt. For proof, didn't I deliver your father's message to go look at the cat's cradle for the bag of silver? Yes, Steenie, and I'm very worried. If this story gets out, uh, you know what the villagers will say. That you must have strange paws. That you must be a... a sorcerer. I know, Sir John. And I was also thinking... It wouldn't be to your credit of your good family's name for the story to get about where your father's gone. But I swear it wasn't in heaven that I found myself last night. Ah. I see what you mean, Steenie. Well, uh, shall we agree to uh, keep the secret just between us? Aye, Sir John, we'll keep it. Maybe we can tell it someday to our grandchildren, for they'll think they're mo- so modern they won't believe the story anyway. <laughs>
From the time-worn pages of the past, we have heard another immortal tale in The Weird Circle. Bellkeeper, toll the bell. Be here in this lonely cave by the restless sea once again next time for another immortal tale in The Weird Circle. You are listening to the Old Time Radio Hour, broadcast each week over the World Wide Web, with your host, Justine Ward. Next, an excellent horror story of an ill-fated ocean journey and a strange box. The author of this tale is Edgar Allan Poe. There are no commercials because they were added locally in syndication. This is The Weird Circle, The Oblong Box. First broadcast January 5th, 1945, on RCA NBC syndication. Out of the past, phantoms of a world gone by speak again the immortal tale, the oblong box. Captain, there she is. Hand me your glass. Aye. Five aboard. Very well, turn about. We'll drop line and take them on. Aye, aye, sir. Stand by the mainsail. Long boat sighted now, east. Lifelines on up. You make out what ship she's from? Eh, uh, uh, too far, Captain. She's American, though. Aye. Now we'll soon be on them. Mate, if the captain's with them, send him up to my cabin. Aye, aye, sir. Take in the main salt. Easy now, don't run him under. He's too. Well, that's about all, Captain. We'd been at sea in the longboat for two days when you sighted us. Just about done in. My friend here, Mr. Allen, was the only passenger to survive. You say you're from the packet ship Independence, eh? Aye. Uh, what cargo were you carrying? Uh, cotton, a little hemp, and some timber. I see. And that was all? Aye. Did you happen to pass some drift, Captain? We did. Nothing you just spoke of. Uh, would you care for a little more grog, gentlemen? Oh, thank you. And you, sir? Yes. Yes, please. No, we passed nothing adrift that you mentioned. But, um... We did hoist aboard something rather strange, you might say. It may not have come from your ship, though. Could only make out the port of embarkation and the date. Charleston, South Carolina, August the 2nd, 1881. That was our port. That was our date of sailing. Captain, what was it you took aboard? Two bodies. Passengers, I suppose. A man and a woman. Rather unusual, though. The woman was in a coffin, uh, an oblong box. You seem startled, Mr. Allen. I, I am. And the man? That's the strange part. He was lashed to the coffin by an inch-thick rope. Oh. Uh, from your reaction, Mr. Allen, I presume... Um, I presume you know something about the box? Yes, I... I'm afraid so. Then, Mr. Allen... Uh, uh, suppose you relate the entire story. Very well. 
To tell you the truth, Captain, I'd intended telling no one. You see, as Captain Hardy told you, the dead man had been a friend of mine. I'd hoped the... the sea would keep its dead. The man whose body you found tied to that oblong box was an artist from New York. His name was Cornelius Wyatt. As I remember, Wyatt had been married only a few months when I met him quite by accident. It was at our port of sailing, Charleston. I'd been on board only a few minutes when I heard his voice calling me by my first name. I was quite surprised to see my old friend. Edgar! Edgar! Alan, hello there! Wyatt! Why, heavens, man! How are you? Oh, it's good to see you. How long has it been? Oh, a good year since I saw you last, at least. Now, let's see. Yes, since 1877. All the places to meet you. Now, uh, tell me, Wyatt, is your wife aboard? My wife? Well, yes. Good. More people have raved about her astounding beauty to me than I could possibly count. <laughs> I've sworn to see her with my own eyes. Where is she? Uh, I'm sorry, Edgar. I'm afraid that would be impossible. You see, she's she's ill in her cabin. Oh, what a shame. Well, then, later, I'm sure... No, you... no, no. Really, I think she'll remain in bed for the rest of the trip. Her health wouldn't permit it. Oh, come, Wyatt. You wouldn't cheat me of this chance to meet your beautiful wife. The CL do her good. Or is it because you're jealous of such beauty? Huh? Please keep such remarks to yourself. My wife's appearance should be of no concern to you. Oh, but Wyatt, I was only joking. I meant no harm. Your humor has not appreciated, Mr. Allen. Well, forgive me. I assure you I meant no harm. I beg pardon, sir. You, Mr. Wyatt? Yes? Uh, that there box of yours, you're having it shipped in the hold? Confound it, man. How many times must I give these instructions? My cabin, you understand? It must be put in my cabin. Must I tell the captain himself? Sorry, sir, but there's hardly any room for such a large box in your I cabin. don't care how little room there is. That box will go into my cabin if I have to move it there myself. Well, right, sir. Sorry, sir. Confounded fools. Must I beg them to carry out my instructions? Is... Is that the box? Uh, excuse me, Mr. Allen. The clumsy fools may drop it. I'd better watch them. I'll see you later. Although at the time I was surprised by my friend's sudden outburst, I passed it off to temperament. After all, he was an artist. At the moment, I was more concerned over the... the oblong box than over my friend. It bothered me quite a bit. I couldn't find a reason for his being so overwrought over the placement of a cumbersome large wooden box. And furthermore, I couldn't find a reason for his use of one that shape. It was about six feet long and two and a half feet wide. To me, its contents were a mystery. At first, I excused it as containing a number of its precious paintings. About three days out of Charleston, I met Wyatt again. He was walking about the deck. As I approached him, he cordially offered me his hand. Hello there. Hello, Wyatt. Uh, Edgar, I... I believe I owe you an apology. Apology? Yes, you you must forgive the way I acted the day before we sailed. I, I'm not as well as I should be. Oh, think nothing of it. Here, let, let's sit here. That's it. I... I'm under a severe strain, Edgar. Perhaps I should tell you. You are my friend. I, I should tell someone. Well, of course. What others have told you about my wife is true. She is beautiful. Very beautiful. I'm afraid, too beautiful. Yes, I was one of many, many suitors. I was the fortunate one. Why, I don't know. She doesn't love me, Edgar. Are you sure she doesn't love you? Yes, I'm sure, very sure. Since I've been married, she's done her utmost to make me jealous. 
She knows how I worship her beauty. She knows her power. Men have always loved her for it. They still do. I know it, girl. I'm suffering because of it. There are men today who, who would give anything for my wife's hand. Anything. She knows it. She taunts me with it continuously. The way she looks at me, laughs at me. You're in love with her? Desperately. You'd never give her up? Never. And she knows this? Of course. That's why she taunts me. Well, perhaps if I could see her... No, 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 no. She's she's still ill. Ill. Oh, I'm sorry. This trip. You know why I'm going to Canada? Do you know why? Paintings? I'm taking her away. Away from all those men. She'll learn to love me. I'll make her. I'll keep her beauty for myself. Well, perhaps. Perhaps this is an extreme. Extreme? No. No, it's the only thing to do. You don't know the torture I've suffered. Well, well, let's talk no more about it. I I feel better now. As you wish. You will keep my confidence? Oh, without question. Now, how's your painting coming, Wyatt? I haven't touched a brush in months. But the canvases you brought aboard, weren't they yours? Canvases? I suppose they were in the large box you have in your cabin. Why do you suppose that? Well, because of its unusual size. That and... box doesn't concern you. It's none of your business. I didn't say that I... Don't ever mention that box again. I forbid you. You hear? Don't ever mention that box again. Perhaps I've been too hasty, Captain. Perhaps the man just isn't well physically. By well, the box, it could contain something unimportant. I think I was overly curious, that's all. I... I've known him for a long while, you know. He's always appeared perfectly normal before. And everything's been all right lately? For the past few days, yes. He's been perfectly cordial. And I think perhaps it's best we pass over the entire matter. There's probably some logical, some simple story behind what's happened. Uh, yeah. More port? Uh, no. No, no thanks. I think it's best I be getting back to my cabin. Looks as though there's an unhealthy storm brewing along the coast. I'd best get back. Oh, I noticed it getting a little rough. Will it hit us? I can't tell yet. Well, good night, Mr. Allen. Perhaps you'll join me at dinner tomorrow night, eh? Uh, thank you, Captain. I'd be... Listen. What? Shh. I thought I heard... Listen. Again? Nothing. I... I hear nothing. The wind, that's all. The events have made you a little nervous, I suppose. No, wait. I'm sure I heard something strange... Groaning or something from out there. Open the door. It's probably the ship's cat. Captain, here, quickly! The passageway's black. The steward probably took the lantern to... Listen. Again. Hear it? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. It came from the darkness down there to the end of the passageway. Oh, somebody's in trouble. Who has the stateroom at the end of the passageway? I think quiet. The first two are empty. Well, come along. Pull your cabin door closed. I'll get a lamp. The darkness... No, no, I know my way. We may need the darkness. Very well. Stay close. The uh, first two, you say, are empty? Yes. And this one, you believe, is Wyatt's? It should be. I'll stand here a moment. I'll listen again. A knocking. Tapping. I'll try this latch. I'll open it as quietly as possible. Well, there's no light under the door. Uh, stand back. Easy now. Blaster, it's locked from the inside. Well, someone is definitely in there. I'm going to knock. Now, listen closely. Someone is in there. You heard it? Hello in there. Is that you, Wyatt? This is Ellen. Anything wrong? Hello there. Huh. No answer. I don't like this. 
Open the door, Wyatt. It's the ship's captain. I'll be forced to break in. Here, help me. Help me as I count three. Go on. One, two. Ready now. Three. Where are you, Wyatt? Wait. There's a lantern by the port. I'll strike a light. Stand here and... Empty. The room is empty. Both of us stood there in the gloom of Wyatt's cabin. We were sure somebody had been there, but a moment before, we'd heard them. And now the cabin was apparently empty. The door had been locked from the inside. Nobody could have left the room without our seeing them. Then suddenly Captain Hardy pointed to the right wall of the cabin. There in the dimness of the gloomy shadows. Alan, this cabin and the one beside it are adjoined. Now... Let me get the light and see if the adjoining door has been opened. Whoever left, left in a hurry. Here. Here, Alan. Give me a hand. I can't reach the lantern. Blast it! Hardy! All right. All right. Just stumbled over this blasted box. My hand. The oblong box. Excuse me, gentlemen. I didn't mean to intrude. Quiet. May I come in? There's another lamp for the table. Allow me, Captain Hardy. But where did you come from? How did you get into the passageway there. when... There. That's better. Mr. Allen, I have been walking my wife on deck. May I introduce you? Oh, you may come in, Marjorie. Marjorie, this is Mr. Allen, the man who desired to meet you so much, and the captain of this vessel, Captain Hardy. How do you do? How do you do? And now, gentlemen, may I ask the reason for your, uh, breaking in? I, uh, we heard a noise, a cry. We thought it was from your cabin. That would have been impossible. There was nobody there. Are you sure? We heard... Of course I'm sure. There was no one here, I tell you. And now, gentlemen, if you don't mind... Uh, Wyatt, before we go... Yes, Mr. Allen? Ask your wife to... to remove her veil... Marjorie, would you please oblige the gentleman? My wife, Mr. Allen. Your... Your wife? But I... She is beautiful, isn't she? I... I... Yes. Yes, she is. You, too, seem stunned. Quite. Yes, quite. Um, Captain Hardy, come. Uh, thank you, Wyatt. One moment, uh, Captain Hardy. Yes, would it be too much to ask for a new cabin door? This one seems to have suffered slightly. I'll, uh, I'll see to it. Good night, gentlemen. Hurry to my cabin. His wife. Did you see his wife? Yes. She was hideous. His rave about her beauty. Why, he's mad, Captain. Hopelessly mad. She was horribly ugly. Yet... Yet she was familiar. I've seen her before. I, I know it. Where? Where? Did you notice the door leading to the adjoining cabin? No. It was open slightly. 
Someone could have left Wyatt's cabin and reached the passageway through the empty one next to it. Hardy. Yes? Your hand. Huh? Covered with blood. Well, you must have cut it yourself when you when you fell. Here, let me wash it off. No. No, it isn't cut. Yes, but that blood. It isn't mine. Well, then where did you... The oblong box, Mr. Allen. The oblong box. What was behind this terrible mystery, neither of us knew. We would inform the police as soon as we put to port. From then on, I saw nothing of Wyatt. Two days passed since the incident in his cabin. Now the second day, Captain Hardy warned all the passengers of what was in store for us. We were forbidden on deck, confined to our cabins. We were being blown out to sea by a furious hurricane wind. On the fateful night, I was lying fully clothed on my bed. The sea was sickening. The ship was yawing terribly with each plunge. I was expecting the worst at any moment. Then suddenly, above the roar of the terrible gale, I heard a strange sound coming from the passageway before my cabin. I was a little bewildered at first. For a few moments, I sat there on my bed, wondering. And then... Edgar! Edgar! This is Wyatt! Do you hear me? What is it? I need your help, Edgar! I need your help. Go back to your cabin, Wyatt. You hear? Get out of the passageway. It's dangerous. The ship may... Please open the door. You must. You must help me. You're my friend, Edgar. Please. Very well. What? Good heavens. My box. I've got to get it on deck. I've got to. The ship may break in two at any moment. Please. Please help me. I can't manage it alone. Please. You must be completely insane. The storm is too high. It's, it's suicide, I tell you. You'll be blown overboard. Just to the door. You don't have to go on deck. I have some rope. I'll lash myself to the stays. I'll be safe. Please. Yes, but your wife. You can't leave your wife alone now. Go back to her. Snap out Just of it. Just up the stairs. Please, Edgar. You're my friend. Please, Edgar, please. Very well. To the top of the stairs. The, the, the other end. Take, take the other end. That's it. Go on. I have it. Hurry, it's heavy. All right. Here. This way. All right. Up these stairs. I've got it. Here. Don't drop it, Edgar. Don't drop it. All right. All right. A little further, Edgar. Just a little further. Now. There. This is as far as I go. Oh, thank you, Edgar. Thank you. You don't know what this means. Now, go back to your cabin. I can't. I... I must get my box on deck. Then I leave. No, no, please. One other favor. Hold this hatch while I push the box out. I beg you, Wyatt, use your head. The water will swamp us. Listen to it. Please, Edgar, please. Well, then, stand back. I'll open the hatch. I'm not responsible for you, you fool. Hurry, confound you. Hurry, we'll be swamped. For heaven's sake, Wyatt, you'll never make it. Wyatt, watch out. Come back, you fool, come back. I've got to close it. Come back. out there. He took the box. Oh, heavens, he's done for. Uh, it's too late to help him now. I'm afraid we're going to have to abandon ship. She's breaking. Starboard light board, are you there? Make for it. 
Yes, but Mrs. Wyatt, she's below. She'll be killed. I'll get her first. The starboard boat, Edgar. The starboard boat. Mrs. Wyatt, to the boats. Mrs. Wyatt, we're sinking. Come on. Hurry, hurry, this way. Run. No, wait, please. Please, please, listen. In the name of heaven, woman, come on, quick. No time to lose. Good Lord. Mrs. Wyatt. Mrs. Wyatt! <laughs> then suddenly she disappeared before me. Water gushed down the passageway. She was swallowed by it. I struggled forward and made my way to the starboard boat. I jumped for the swinging davit and lowered myself as speedily as possible into the long boat. Captain Hardy joined me with three others of his crew. And then, just as we pushed out from the trembling mass of wreckage, I saw it. Hardy did too. Standing to aft, I saw Wyatt. He was binding himself tightly to the... To the oblong box. He stood there for a moment. I thought, laughing. Then in one brief instant, he was gone with the ship. Into the sea. And, um, that's, uh, that's all? Yes. I see. Uh, would you gentlemen be so kind as to follow me? This should prove rather interesting. This way, gentlemen. Captain, uh, when uh, when did you find this uh, this box? Yesterday afternoon. Um, in here, please. Uh, Mr. Allen, hand me that lantern and watch the stairs, please. They're rather sharp here. Be done. Now, ordinarily, we would not have bothered with a floating body. Generally, some poor wretch from a wrecked vessel. However, due to the box and the peculiar circumstances, I thought it best to hoist it on board. Yes, but but the decomposition... Oh, the salt water helped preserve them for a while. I thought we could reach New London safely with them. However, since we were blown off our course by that wind, it will be a good day and a half before we reach land. I'm afraid I shall have to commit them both back to the sea. Uh, Mr. Allen, swing that door open, please, will you? Over there, in that corner. Yes. Yes, that's the box. Captain Hardy, would you kindly hold the lantern while I lift this blanket? Oh, certainly. Is this the man you call Wyatt? Poor devil. Hardly recognizable. Yes, that's Wyatt. And now, Mr. Allen, if you would give me a hand with the top of this box. It had been firmly nailed. However, we pried it loose when we took it aboard. Just pull at that end carefully. Good heavens. Even after two days at sea, death did not destroy that waxen beauty. It's almost impossible. Still so beautiful. You notice uh, the wound over the heart? Yes. Mr. Allen, that was the beauty Mr. Wyatt talked of. Why, of course. This must have been his wife. But, 
But wait, the other Mrs. Wyatt. Oh, yes, of course. I knew I'd seen her somewhere before. The maid. That personal maid. Yes, now I remember. She tried to tell me something before she... She drowned. Wyatt murdered his real wife. If only we had done something sooner. Murdered his wife? How could he? Why? Insanely jealous. Terribly jealous. To die with her would be better than to live with her and her beauty. He planned to murder her on that trip when I saw them stowing that box. Remember the groans? She was murdered that night. The blood. It was fresh. Remember the tapping we heard as he nailed her in this coffin. I... Hardy, I... I think we'd better leave. Yes. Yes, Wyatt. Your wife is... very... very beautiful. You have been listening to the Old Time Radio Hour, broadcast each week over the World Wide Web. You can subscribe at no charge through Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or RSS. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you can join us again next week for another hour of entertainment from the golden age of radio. Until then, this is your host, Justine Ward, saying so long for now. (laughs) 